say, well, the first and the great commandment is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, and thy neighbor as thyself. He said this, and this is the summary of the law and the prophets, right? Uh, and in fact, you could go back and look, if we went through the the, uh, the Ten Commandments laid out in the book of Exodus, we'd find over there that we're to have no other gods before our God. We're to not make any fallen graven images. We're not to, uh, you know, and all this. So that is in summarizing those first five or six commandments there in the Ten Commandments is loving the Lord thy God. The rest of the commandments were thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou, all that is loving your neighbor, right? So if, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal, kill, uh, or do things that would de- defraud or, or whatever your neighbor in any way. And so when Jesus is answering the questions here to his to his uh, to those that came and questioned him, uh, Lord, what is the first? What is the great commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And thy neighbors thyself. And on this rests the whole law and the prophets. Now he gets over here to this portion. Right after the, in the 13th chapter of the book of John, we find this laid out. Uh, Jesus begins to talk to his apostles because he knows what's coming the next day. <laughs> they don't know what's coming. He's been warning them and preparing them that I'm about to go away. And where I go, you, I, you cannot go. Uh, the things that I'm about to face, you cannot face. In fact, <laughs> right after this portion of scripture, here we're at 34 and 35 of John 13. Uh, Peter Peter says to him, Lord, whither goest thou? And Jesus began to tell him, and, and Peter's like, well, I'll go with you. And, and the Lord's like, Peter, you can't go where I'm about to go, at least not now, okay? And so, but as he's, as he's leaving this portion, the Last Supper, and they're about to go take this walk to Gethsemane, Jesus looks at them and says, now, I'm not telling you the first and the great commandment. I'm not telling you or summarizing the law and the prophets. I'm giving you a new commandment. Here's the commandment I want to leave to you disciples and to you apostles and to, to those that are followers of Jesus Christ. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another, I began. You know, I've 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 thought about this portion of scripture uh, just just a lot in the last uh, in the last several weeks, and I've thought about you know uh, what it, what is it's lacking uh, from the church today, uh, what it's la- what is lacking in our lives today, and I'll tell you the the greatest thing that's lacking around the world today is us showing our love one to another. Jesus didn't just come up and tell tell the disciples, "I love you." Uh, he came up and showed them he loved them. He he fed them. He rescued them. He carried them. He taught them, uh, and not all, and ultimately he died on the cross for for them. Uh, but uh, if we think about this, love is I have shown love unto you. You also love one another. That was the commandment. Uh, we think about going back over to the Old Testament scriptures, uh, and uh, and we looked have looked at this probably in some times past. But we turn back over to the Song of Solomon, uh, as Solomon and all his wisdom is laying out what is, uh, I guess, one of the most beautiful love stories as he's relating to us there in the second chapter of the book of the Song of Solomon. He says, "I am the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valleys, as a lily among the thorns. So is my love." 
love among the daughter, among thy daughter, among the daughters, as an apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to his banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Uh, you know, what was his ban- what When someone loved someone else, he cared for them. He descri- describes how beautiful they are. Boy, I'm, I, you know, today, if you told someone, oh, you're the most lovely fruit tree of the woods, they'd say, boy, that's not really very uh, enticing. To, uh, that's not very loving sounding. Uh, uh, but as we're writing in a poetical sense, he said, of all the trees of the woods, uh, uh, she is, and he is an apple among the, uh, an apple tree among all the trees the wood fruit and beautiful uh, to carry to carry out and he brought me to his banqueting house he brought me to the place where the uh, the uh, the table was spread he brought me to the place where joy is found and his banner over me was love. Uh, today, when we think about uh, what the world uh, needs a little more of, uh, it needs a little bit more of love one to another and it can't start anywhere else. Except in our houses and in our homes and in our churches. Because if we're looking for everybody else out there to suddenly have this love fest somewhere, it's not going to happen. It's going to have to start with us. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Ye also love one another. And by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. If we turn over to the 15th chapter, this same book of John, uh, see this, if, if those of you that have been here and know, we, pre- we preach through some of this 14th, 15th, and 16th chapter. It's an ongoing dialogue that Jesus is having with his apostles as they're leaving the upper room where they'd had the Last Supper. And as they're walking toward the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus goes to pray, he's teaching them this ongoing story. And so uh, he's, as he's talking to them from this point, he's told them, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And he begins to go through this 14th and 15th chapter uh, of the the book of John. And I'm going to skip across some things. You can go back and look at the 14th chapter and some of the things he's telling them there. Uh, I'll give you two things that he's telling them there. One, don't be troubled because I'm about to go away. uh, Because I'm going to my father's house. And in my father's house are many mansions. uh, And if it were not so, I would have told you. And he says, uh, and if I go to prepare place for you. I'm going that where I am there ye may be also. So that's the beginning of 14. Then he also begins to tell them there in 14 that I'm as I go away, I'm going to leave you the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter to be here with you during the time of my absence so that the Holy Spirit might come to you and, and give to you all truth. Now we begin the 15th chapter of this same book of John. He begins this, this message about the vine. Uh, and he says, I'm the true vine and my my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So he begins to go into a <coughs> agricultural example, if you want to call it that. And he begins to talk about the purpose of the of the fruit of the of the vine is to bring forth a, a fruit. So if you're if you're talking about grapes, or if in our part of the country, if you were talking about muscadines, or if you were talking talking about some type of fruit-bearing vine like that. Uh, The purpose of that vine is to bring forth fruit. Uh, So he said, 
uh, I'm the true vine, talking about himself. I'm the true vine, and my father is the husbandman, or my father is the keeper of the vineyard. My father's the one that takes care of these things. And every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. So he, he keeps the vine trimmed up. If there gets to be any dead wood along the edge of the vine, he trims it off. Why? Because the purpose of the vine, of the branches on the vine is to bring forth fruit. So he keeps it trimmed up and he keeps it pruned back. And he says, Now ye are clean through my word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine... No more can ye except ye abide in me. Now, as strange as this may sound in kind of a language type sense, uh, it's talking about we as the branches are to live, abide in the vine. We're to be in the vine. Uh, That also tells me, uh, as we look at this, that it's possible for a branch to not be in the vine. Uh, uh, whether the you know whether it got broke off somehow or another, it's laying out there on its own, uh, the branch would still be a great branch, if you want to call it that. But unless it's, unless it's plugged into the vine, it's not going to bear fruit. And he says, you or we have to stay in the vine in order to bring forth fruit. As a, abide in me, verse 4 of uh, John 15, abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can ye except ye abide in me so if we're going to be fruitful in the sense that he would have us to be fruitful we've got to stay in the vine i am i am the vine ye are the branches he that abideth in me and i in him the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me ye can do nothing oh there's an important lesson for us to say you know my life is not being as fruitful as it needs to be, okay? And so sometimes maybe we feel like, I'm not being as spiritual as I need to be. I'm not being as kind. I'm not being as friendly. I'm not being as loving. I'm not being as caring. Where are you abiding these days? Are you abiding in the vine? Are you staying in Him and in His Word and in His thoughts? Uh, or spiritually, are you praying? Are you reading God's Word? Are you meditating on the things of God? Are you just thinking about you most of the time and thinking about what you want to do and how you want to live and where you want to go? And, you know, I, I'm asking this of me this morning too, by the way. Don't, don't say, well, Brother Charles is really getting after us. No, what I'm trying to do is let us think about where are we and are we by abiding in, in Him and bearing as much fruit as we, as we should? And are we being as loving as we should? Because His new commandment to us is to love one another. I, I probably should pause at this point to at least make this comment. Uh, the, by, Jesus did not say... Uh, when he's giving them the new comment, he he did not say, if you feel like it, love one another. If they're nice to you, love one another. Uh, we could go back over to the uh, sixth chapter, I believe, of the book of Matthew. And he tells us there, love your enemies, uh, them that despitefully use you, those that go against you. Uh, he says, love your enemies as well as, as others. And so uh, he talks to us here, our, his new commandment to us, Love one another. Uh, So when a church comes together and when we're out in the world, he says, by this will all men know that you're my disciples because you have love one to another. We say, well, wouldn't people assume that people at church have love one to another? 
Well, I don't know. <laughs> Do you go out of the church and talk about everyone that's there and all their faults and all their failings and all their lackings? Or, or do you go out and talk about, you know what, uh, there's a bunch of sinners up there in church, but I love them all. I, I love about them. I care about them. They're just fa- fallen vessels, broken vessels in this whole world. But you know what? They love the Lord, and I know they love the Lord, and they're trying to serve the Lord the best they can. So all of these things... How will people know we're his disciples? By showing love one to another. Uh, so he goes on and tells us now, Abide in the vine. You're, uh, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. <clears throat> Verses like this are very misused today, I think, among a lot of our among a lot of our fellow Christians and so forth, because they don't take time to pay attention to what the words teaching. Uh, he doesn't. He does not say in here that when uh, God prunes the branches off uh, and they're not abiding in the vine anymore, that they're no longer branches. Uh, that in other words, they're no longer children of God. He does not say that. Uh, he does say that you'll he'll prune you off because what you're not doing what a branch is supposed to do. The purpose of a branch is to bear fruit. And when a branch is not bearing fruit, at some point in time, the husbandman says, you know what, clip, I'm clipping the branch off. It'll be withered up out here and it'll be gathered up among men and it'll be cast into the fire and it'll be burned. What does that happen? A lot of times we see God's little children in this old world can't lose your salvation. You can't lose eternal life. It wouldn't be eternal if you could lose it. Uh, but uh, so they, they don't, they're still children of God. Sometimes children of God wander off out here in the world. We can talk about, we can talk about thing, examples in the Bible like the prodigal son. And the, the prodigal son left his father's house and went off and wasted his father's inheritance on riotous living out here in the world. <clears throat> when he was out there in the world, he was still his father's son. And when he repented of what he was doing and came home, he was still his father's son. He didn't become his father's son again. He just came home. The father was glad to see him. He had gone out into this old world and wasted his life away and wasted his inheritance away. He had been gathered up by men and been burned up in the fire. And that's what happens sometimes to God's little children. They wander off out here in the world and they waste their life away. And they get burned up out here in the old world and the world will eat you up. I'm warn, I can warn all the young folks out there and, and others, others too. The world will eat you up and spit you out and it doesn't care about you. It doesn't care what happens to you physically, mentally, spiritually, or any other way. The world doesn't care. And there's a lot of men and women and others out there that do not care where you're at spiritually. But your Heavenly Father loves you. He wants you to abide in the vine and bear much fruit. So he says, that if you abide in me, verse 7, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. So uh, if you want to abide in him, he says, let my words abide in you. Let my word live in you. Let Learn how to act, how to conduct yourself, how to speak, how to live life by, by abiding in him and letting his word abide in you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and you sh- so shall you be my disciples. So We've got, we've got two things going on here. He says, 
Here's how you are my disciple. My word abides in you and you live like the word abides in you. That's how, in other words, if we turn back over into the other portion of Scripture, he tells us over there, uh, <clears throat> take my load, uh, come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and what? Learn of me. <laughs> so what are we to do? He wants us to be disciples uh, or followers of him, pupils, students of his. Ta- learn of his word and take his yoke upon us. And he says, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. So we're his disciples by learning of him, bearing much fruit. And how will the world know you're either his disciples? By our love one to another. Began to think about that. So if you take his word, his yoke, and learn of him, what you're going to learn, one of the things you're going to learn is love one another. (laughs) Show your love one to another. He says, as the Father loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. And as I have kept kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Why did he tell us all of this? Why did he leave this commandment to us and tell us, abide in me, let my word abide in you, that you can abide in my love? Why did he tell us all this? He told us this, these things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. A lot of people today are looking for joy out there in the world. He says, here's how you find joy. (laughs) Here's how joy is really displayed. My word abides in you and you in me and, uh, and you in my love. So shall your joy be full. People are trying to find joy in drugs, alcohol, sex, and all the other things out there in the world. And what they're missing out on is the true joy, which is following after God's word. This is my, my commandment. What? Verse, thir- verse 12. See, if, if Jesus told us something once, you'd say, well, okay, you know, we could, if he told us once, it'd be enough, right? <laughs> but if he says it twice or three times, or if it's repeated more than this in God's word, then we might get the idea that loving one another must be a pretty big deal, right? So he says, These things I have spoken to you, verse 11, John 15, These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. (coughs) Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. What has he commanded you? Love one another. You're my friends. You know, the Bible talks about, said Abraham was the friend of God. Why was Abraham considered the friend of God? Because what God told Abraham to do, he did. (laughs) Abraham was told, uh, Abraham, I want you to leave your family behind and I want you to leave Ur of the Chaldeans and I want you to go to a land that you've never been to and and I'll give you this land, Abraham. And uh, Abraham got up and went. That's that's amazing in and of itself, right? That God, uh, that Abraham just, God says, Abraham, I want you to leave your family behind. I want you to go over here to a place that I'm going to show you and I'll I'll give it to you. Just get up and go. 
And the Bible says Abraham got up and left and gathered his wife together. And uh, off they went on this journey. And, and Abraham is later described as the friend of God. Well, he was the friend of God because he did what God told him to do. Uh, and here he tells us, this is my commandment that you love one another. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for, my, for his friends. Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I, I, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth what the Lord do, knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I call you friends, for all things that I've heard of my Father, I've made known uh, unto you. And so, <clears throat> you've you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go forth, go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give you. These things I command you, verse 17, that you love one another. I mean, he hammered, if you want to call it, he hammered the message home. Here's how other folks will know. And my commandment to you is that you love one another. Well, I'm telling you today in the, in, in the church and in our homes and our families, and, and, and I said this earlier kind of, kind of jokingly about this. This is not, well, I'm asking you, when you wake up on a good day and you've had your coffee and everything's good, I want you to love one another. Now, my commandment is you love one another. My commandment is that you love one another on a bad day. My commandment is, is when that you see your brother and your sister in trouble and you see, uh, see your disciple in trouble, that you still love one another. I think about there's, there's all kinds of places we could go in the New Testament scriptures. We turn over to places like in the book of Acts and we find uh, our, our Galatians where the apostle Paul came and Peter had been seated over with the, with the, uh, with the Gentiles. Even when Paul came in, suddenly gets up over and sits down with the Jews because Peter was a Jew and he didn't want to be seen with the Gentiles. And the Bible says, Paul upbraided him to his face. In other words, Paul got on to him and says, why are you acting like this? And he did it right then and he did it right there. Did he do this to embarrass Peter? No, he did it because he loved Peter. And he wanted Peter to know, Peter, you're doing something wrong. Uh, you, sh- you shouldn't be running away from hiding and sitting over here with this bunch and now somebody else comes in, you're afraid of what somebody's going to say. No, you're supposed to have love one to another. And so uh, even on a good day or on a bad, you know what Peter's response should have been? I don't know if I can go back and look and read at this right now, but even Peter's response to somebody uh, getting on to him and chastising him because he loved him and cared about him should be thankfulness and gratitude that somebody cared enough about him to correct his to correct his actions and correct his spirit. Uh, you know, we got we got a few children in the congregation. Some of them are really young. Some of them are not quite as young. Uh, well, sometimes, you know, as a child, they don't like to be corrected. They don't like to be told this is what you need to do and this is not what you need to be doing. Well, uh, those that love you and care about you give you admonition and correction and 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 uh, sometimes get on to you about things. Why? Because they're mad at you. <laughs> Not because they love you. They're trying to see that you grow up in the right way and kind of get on the right path and make the right decisions for your life. And so the, uh, another way of showing your love is to get, you sometimes have to chastise and correct and get on to one another. We could turn over to the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews uh, if we wanted to this morning. We'd find over there, I think it's in chapter 12, uh, he says that uh, uh, he that is without chastisement 
uh, is a is a bastard and not a son. In other words, he's an illegitimate child. Uh, the one that is not is without chastisement and not and not getting correction. You're treating him like he's not even really your son and you're even your child. So the the commandment for us is to correct our children and to admonish our children to uh and also to encourage and love and there, we'll get some of that here maybe in just a little bit to, as we look through some of this because he tells us love one another this is my new commandment this is how i want you to show the world that you're different you know i, th- I thought about this uh you know if you think gen- generally spanking, I know we can go back through history, you know, people can drag up all kinds of examples of, you know, how things have have been misdone by, you know, people in the name of the church or the name, you know, especially, and I'll just say this, I'm, I'm at home here this morning, I can say this and uh, the, <clears throat> I don't usually call church names, so, but... This is historically accurate, so say what you know. Say what you want to, I guess. Uh, but many things were done in the name in the name of the Catholic religion and the Catholic Church. If we go back into the 1500s, 1600s, and 1300s, there was a lot of of abuse of the power that was done by people in the name of the church. So we can go back and look and say, boy, the, boy, the church is just awful. Well, no, the church in general is not awful. In fact, generally, when we look at the history of the church down through the ages, what you see is a lot of spreading, a lot of love, a lot of compassion, and a lot of caring. And today, one of the markers of the Christian church is the fact uh, that uh, uh, they're usually the ones that are out in a community somewhere. They're setting up kitchens and trying to feed, clothe, and care, and do for, for people in a lot of ways. And, and some religions, that is not how people know who they are. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. Some some religions go about fighting and, and killing and so forth and doing things like that. And you say, what kind of religion is this? Well, <clears throat> the marker of the of the Christian church is to be the New, New Testament example, love one another. That's how we know. We just love one another. So let's turn over and, and just take a look at something real quick. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 3, uh, because John obviously did not forget this message that Jesus was uh, giving, to his, uh, giving to his disciples here in this uh, uh, final departing uh, uh, sermon that he, that he talked to them. And so in the third chapter of the same, uh, of, the fir- of the book of 1 John, we find over there this, uh, and I'm just going to have to dive into the middle of some of this, but he says, verse 21 of 1 John chapter 3, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment that we should believe in the name of Jesus Christ and love one another. <clears throat> and <clears throat> And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of Jesus Christ, uh, believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. He didn't forget that he got that commandment. uh, As he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. So uh, if we look at the things that were laid out over there in John 15, he's talking about abiding in him and us in him and abiding in the vine and bearing much fruit. And now suddenly over here in this letter, uh, 1 John letter, uh, uh, chapter 3, he's talking to the New 
New Testament church now, uh, the apostle is, and he says that we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ uh, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth, abideth, that's where that dwelleth, abideth in him, uh, and, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. How do you know? People will ask today. How do I know? Sometimes they'll say, how do I know that I'm actually one of God's children? By the Spirit that abides in you. If the Spirit is abiding in you and the Spirit of love and charity and kindness and uh, so forth, then I'm going to tell you, you are a child of God. You are born from above. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Now he begins to go into this First John chapter 4. Beloved, uh, how do we know by the Spirit that abides in us? That's how we know. But he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. <clears throat> Today, and this is unfortunately, I think, but uh, today many people deny... Even in, in the uh, Christian seminaries that are out here in the religious world, people deny the virgin birth of Christ, right? <clears throat> uh, in doing this, they're denying the divinity of Christ. And when you deny the divinity of Christ, you're actually de- denying that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh in this world, that the Son of God has come and dwelt here in this whole world. And he says, uh, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ uh, is come... Uh, Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. So how do we know the spirit of God? He says, if they don't confess that Jesus Christ has actually come here and lived in this old world and as the Son of God uh, has died for us, my friends, they're denying uh, the the uh, they're denying that uh, they're denying God and it's an antichrist spirit. Today we have religions uh, around us. We you got I'm, I'm just not even considering right now. So yes, they're atheists. Yes, there are those that don't believe in God at all. Uh, but we've got religions around the world that deny that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Um, uh, we've also got religions that believe He was a good man. Uh, and you can be a good man too if you just live a good life like Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, and, and one of these days you can become the Son of God just like He was. Uh, but if they deny that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came in the flesh and dwelt among us, it's the spirit of Antichrist. And he says, it was already in the world when Jesus was, uh, when the Apostle John was here. That would be the early first century. Uh, uh, and, it was, uh, and it's in the world today. And he says, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Ye are of the world, therefore, ye are of the world, therefore, you're of the world, therefore speak they of the world. They are of the world. Golly, I've got to read this right. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. Why does the world uh, echo the things that are out there? Because they're of the world and they're speaking the things that they want to hear. So they just echo and say the same things. They are of the world, therefore they speak of the, of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us, and he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another. 
For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Beloved, love one another. I mean, again, John comes back to the same message, the same commandment that they got. He says, we're to love one another. He that loveth, uh, he that loveth not knoweth not God. First John 4, 8. Uh, in, in this was manifest the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. So herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. In other words, Christ came to atone. That word propitiation is another word for atonement. And the atonement simply means His blood was set to cover our sins. You know, it's interesting now... Take a little side trip here for just a minute, uh, just to mention this. Do you know the word back over in the Old Testament, uh, the word for the pitch? You know, when Noah was building the ark, the Bible says he pitched it on the inside and on the outside. Well, you know, more than likely, by our thinking, you know, just putting pitch on the outside to seal it up would probably have been good enough. But you know what? He pitched it on both the outside and the inside. And I'm going to tell you, my friends, God died for you both on the outside and on the inside. And that word pitch, by the way, is the same word that's translated later on in the Old Testament Scriptures, atonement. Uh, it's a covering. Now, the same thing that we find back over in the Garden of Eden. What, would, what was it that uh, uh, when Adam and, and Eve had transgressed the law of God and God came down and they had covered themselves with fig leaves, uh, but that fig those fig leaves eventually withered up and dried up and, and went away and it wasn't sufficient to cover them and God killed an animal and took the skins thereof and covered up their nakedness uh, and their sin that they had portrayed in. And again, we have a picture here of the fact that sin needs a covering. Sin needs to be covered. The boat needed to be covered. Why? Because the boat was going to carry uh, going to carry Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives was going to carry them across to the other side. Uh, they needed a covering or an atonement to, to cover them and carry them to the other side. Uh, you and I need a covering, my friends, for our sins. Uh, we don't need just animal skins. Uh, we need uh, the blood of Jesus Christ who died on the cross, who atoned for us to cover our sins and carry us to the other side. So he says, and this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world uh, <clears throat> that, we, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his only son to be the propitiation or the covering for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also, <clears throat> we ought also to love one another. We ought to love one another. Again, the message is just hammered, 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 hammered. Love one another. <clears throat> How many times have we seen uh, churches over the years? Or maybe we've been a part of churches. Or maybe we've been around a church. Or maybe we've heard about a church that somehow or another was broken up or messed up because the problem is they got to fighting there instead of loving one another. Uh, our commandment is to love one another. That's how people know we're his disciples. That's how we show that we're his disciples is to love one another. Let's turn to First Peter. Uh, <clears throat> go backwards from First John. You get to Second Peter. You get to uh, you get to First Peter. If we turn to First Peter, chapter uh, chapter one, he says he says this. Uh, uh, 
I'm going to start with verse 18 of, of 1 Peter chapter 1 just because I like starting there and that will lead down to where I want to get to. But he says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, uh, you were not bought back. You were not delivered from your sins by corruptible things such as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by traditions of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God and ra- that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto, uh, unto unfeigned, unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you do what? Love one another with a pure heart fervently. So, John said, love one another. Peter said, love one another. Uh, we, could, we could turn back over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And there's some other things. And I'm not going to get as far as I wanted to get this morning. But that's always true. You know, like one of the great things sometimes about Scripture is... Uh, there's always more than you can cover. Uh, there'll be more than I can cover today, next week, next month, next year. And when I die and I'm gone, it'll still not be covered. Uh, but in First Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, y'all are familiar with that chapter 4 because chapter 4 is, the, uh, is the, the note about the second coming of Christ. But before he ever gets to the second coming of Christ, the Apostle Paul says, uh, verse 7 of First uh, Thessalonians 4. God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but to holiness. Boy, Brother Adam would like that verse. It goes really good with what he's been talking about out of Leviticus. Uh, uh, God hath not called us to uncleanness, but to holiness. He therefore that despiseth, uh, despiseth not man, but God, who hath given unto us his Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you. For ye yourselves are taught of God... To love one another. Now we've got Paul and Peter and John and Jesus all telling us this new commandment that you love one another. Here, Paul says, you don't need for me to come along and tell you to love one another because God himself teaches us to love one another. Isn't that the way it is down in your hearts when you've been born in the Spirit of God and suddenly you have a love for people around uh, the house of God that you've never known, that you've never met in your life and now suddenly you just love them. Why? Because they they're seem like kind of like loving kind of folks and you want to be around folks like that. Your heart's telling you, love one another. He said, you don't have to for me to come along and tell you to love one another because God in His very Spirit teaches us to love one another. So, uh, this this commandment to love one another seems kind of important, doesn't it? Love one another. A new commandment that Jesus Christ gave to us so that we might be his disciples indeed. I'm going to I'm going to look at just a couple of places real quickly. Uh, and we'll, and for those of you that are here, probably next Sunday, because Brother Adam, Lord willing, will be here this afternoon, <laughs> and uh, and have the afternoon service. Uh, but just for for your thoughts, he he tells us uh, several different things. If I turn over First Thessalonians in chapter four and continued on, he gives us this thing uh, here. He says. 
uh, I would not have you be ignorant, brethren. Verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, very, this should all be familiar to all of you. You say, well, you know, I heard this at a funeral. Yep, probably heard this at a funeral sometime. I, I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Uh, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent... That word prevent means precede them which are asleep, those which are dead in the graves. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. There's several different things. Not only are we to love one another, but you know by what we preach and we teach, especially about the resurrection, we're to comfort one another. We're to edify one another. We're to forgive one another. We're to forbear one another. We're to hold up one another. And we're to love one another. There's so many things that we, can, that we should do one to another. You know, one of the great things about doing something to one another is... I can't do I can't do something for someone else one to another by you know I guess I get in a sense you can show something one another you can show something to one another just by making a phone call uh, you can show something to one another by writing a letter by writing an email sending a text message uh, uh, by actually going up and talking to one another in the world that we're living in today, talking to one another is becoming more and more important as people stare at their phones all day long. <laughs> and they play with their phones and they go out to eat. You know, you go, to, uh, you, go out, you go out to eat, you see a couple sitting at the table, they're not talking to one another. One's got their phone out and the other one's got their phone out and they're both playing on their phone, looking at their phones, sending stuff back and forth. <clears throat> we need to love one another and we need to edify one another and we need to comfort one another need to care for one another. The Bible says over in Galatians chapter 5, it talks to us a little bit there about, he says, but if you, if you bite and devour one another, things begin to happen that are not so good. How do we bite and devour one another? By talking about one another bad instead of talking about one another good. Think about some of these things. Think about this commandment that we're to love one another, care for one another. And I'll tell you, by this, people will know that we're not like the world and that we're not like other people in other places. Because why? Because we have love one to another and love is of God and cometh from God. May God bless you is our prayer as we continue to maybe grow in the grace and the knowledge of God and learn how we're to treat one another. May God bless you is our prayer.